I do think privacy is dead. I think what we have is the illusion of privacy. We have a shower curtain that you can kind of see through. And if you turn just right through the side, maybe people can't see through. So I think the, I'm very more aware than before of people looking for my information. And I like having control over apps. And I cannot see a world where I would click yes. I mean, I, I really I can't see a reason why I would need my Sonos speaker app to know what other things I'm doing. So I, I think what we have now is either the illusion of privacy or no privacy at all. And I think Apple is getting a lot of credit for being the most privacy focused. But certainly Apple is utilizing information as well. And they may be the best of the, I think the best of the data harvesters is a better word for it. I can't think of it right now, but privacy is, is done. Hey guys, Andrew Edwards here. Before we get started with this episode of Geared Up, I just want to let you know to consider this as kind of a bonus or just for fun episode. We recorded this episode with special guest Renee Ritchie, whose microphone didn't end up actually recording his voice. So I asked our editors, I gave them the task, take what was supposed to be a three-way conversation and only have two of us in it and try to make it sound decent and informative. So that was the challenge. We're going to re-record with Renee next week. But in the meantime, we figured let's just drop a just for fun bonus episode instead of just letting the content go to waste. So here it is. Bonus content, bonus episode of Geared Up. Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rettinger. Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. News-filled week. Busy week. And... A news-filled day as well. iOS 14.5 came out this morning. It's interesting because usually there's a headline feature for these big releases that everyone kind of agrees on. Yeah. But this time, there are so many different things that it's just a great update all around. Like a lot of people are like, hey, here's the new emoji finally, which is what causes yep. a lot of people to update. They don't care about security. They just want the emoji. But then on the flip side, you've got what I think is the biggest... I mean, it's funny that it's in a point update, it's 14.5, but I feel like this might be one of the biggest updates Apple's ever put in any of their software, the app tracking transparency feature, which yeah. now allows you as the user to disallow or allow if you want to apps to track your information. Apps have to specifically ask your permission to track you. And if you say no, then they can't. And if you listen carefully, you can hear Mark Zuckerberg screaming quietly. Oh, yes. In the background. And Andrew, that that wasn't a big enough update anyway. Now you finally have what should have been a, there from day one. You can unlock your phone with your watch. Oh, right. I mean, to me, that's a huge update. Yes, I forgot. About, I mean, yes. Yeah, so that's another big one. And to be clear, you can unlock your phone with your Apple Watch if you're wearing a face mask that covers your mouth and nose. So can you do it without that. Like if you don't have like if I no. just put my hand over my face. It won't, <laughs> Maybe it won't work. Like, you know, they've, they've had this ready for years and finally like, OK, I guess we should probably do it because of mask. And even then, the pandemic is hopefully on its tail end and it's finally just coming out now. And remember, John, this is a Apple product or global products. And so we've seen over the past week, like the pandemic start raging again, different areas of the world. So who knows how long this is still going to keep going on? I'm glad to see companies like Apple and others building in convenience features that allow us to remain safe without being first world annoyed. I mean, is it really that annoying to type in your past? Like so many people, I have to type in my passcode now. This sucks. I will say for my password manager, 
I have a very long password for that, mm-hmm. right? You want to make sure that that is as you should as close and hackable. Yeah. And a lot of times it's easy. It's easier to just like hold my breath, turn my head to the side, <laughs> pull it off, put it back on real fast, you know, than it is to, to type in a password. So hopefully this just paves the way for redundant biometrics. Let's go back to app tracking transparency for a minute. I feel <laughs> <laughs> there's a actually confirmed this this morning. There's a master switch in settings. You go into settings, privacy, tracking. There's a setting there that says allow apps to ask to request to track. And if you turn that off, then it just answers no. So you won't get the prompt. It'll just auto answer no to any new apps that ask to track you and any apps that you've already allowed to track you. It will continue allowing that. But you can go into that same area and turn that off so you can revoke access there. What if you toggle it, turn it off and turn it back on again? Well, every app has to ask you again that you've maybe grandfathered Good permissions question. into. Good question. That I don't I mean, know. So I could see that being useful. And then one by one, yeah. you can go through and say, you know, yes, no, yes, no, or probably no, 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 yes. So what I did for some reason, like obviously, like I just said, you have a catch all. I don't want apps tracking me just to be clear. So I don't even want them. I want to hit. How am I trying to say this? I hate app tracking so much that I turned off the master switch, because I want to specifically hit no. I want them to ask me and I want to emphatically press no as hard as we ask people to hit the like button on YouTube. So you do not track. What I want to ask you, Andrew, is how much do you hate small businesses? (laughs) How are small businesses going to serve? People can't see that I'm laughing when I say that. That was Facebook's argument was that Apple hates small businesses because they couldn't be able to advertise with targeted ads. In all seriousness, no, the saying this revoking access, does it impact like your usage on like Google Maps or Apple Maps at all? Or is that sort of it? Well, the app is open and inside. There's no issue with location tracking, anything like that. Well, so it depends on the app. And, you know, I think the point here, though, is if you're opening a Maps app and you're asking for directions, Mm -hmm. actually, Apple Maps doesn't even track you. So why do you need to track the Apple map doesn't track you. It will throw away. So when you make your request, your start and end point, and when you're on your way, it'll sure. throw away your start point. So, it, so they don't want to know where you start. What about, a, what about a Google Maps or a Waze? Google Maps. If you prefer Google Maps and they request to track you in order to, like there's a difference between requesting location and requesting tracking. Like there's two different permissions there. Yes. So if oh, yeah. they say, hey, we need to track you in order to provide you with directions to where you're going, then as the yeah. user, it's up to you to say, am I cool okay. with that or not? I would like everybody listening to if you think it's not a problem or maybe you care, don't care, or the thought of like, hey, I have nothing to hide, which, you know, it's a pretty you know, widespread mentality. Look up and just put it into a, a search engine. What does Google know about me and what does Facebook know about me? And it'll take you to the particular settings to go through and actually see what they know and the granularity of what they know about you personally and what you do. And then at least you can make a decision and know that perhaps there really is something there that maybe you want to be aware of. It's always been interesting to me. Everybody gets so worried about covering cameras, but nobody seems to care at all about covering microphones. And when you're walking around and these apps are asking you for microphone access or we want to follow you on different Bluetooth devices. It's, it's always a question like, like, what's the benefit? Like, what's the benefit to me as a consumer? And the only benefit I can see for a lot of these is you're just data harvesting me. Like, I'm just, I'm a pot in the matrix that's just giving, you know, what are data electricity out to serve the machine. So, John, just out of curiosity, because I know you're, yes. you're the one who has said several times, like, you know, privacy is dead. You don't really care. Will you 
turn on the master switch that says, don't even ask me to track? Or are you like, I don't care? You're misrepresenting. Not saying I don't care. I do think privacy is dead. I think what we have is the illusion of privacy. We have a shower curtain that you can kind of see through. And if you turn just right through the side, maybe people can't see through. So I think the I'm very uh, more aware than before of people looking for my information. And I like having control over apps. And I cannot see a world where I would click yes. I mean, I, I really I can't see a reason why I would need my Sonos speaker app to know what other things I'm doing. So I, I think what we have now is either the illusion of privacy or no privacy at all. And I think Apple is getting a lot of credit for being the most privacy focused. But certainly Apple is utilizing information as well. And they may be the best of the, I think, the best of the data harvesters is a better word for it. I can't think of it right now, but privacy is, is done. What like, do you do long-winded. in the case of an app that says we're requesting to track you and in the tracking box, it'll actually, they can put yeah. a reason why an app that requires you to say yes in order for you to use a feature that very obviously doesn't require tracking. So an app can't say, I'm just using a random app here. This is not a real thing, but Spotify can't say, hey, in order to continue listening to music on the go, you need to allow us to track you. Anyway, iOS 14.5 out now, several cool features, and at the very least, upgrade for the emoji so that you don't have those weird boxes with X's in them anymore. Let's move on to probably the biggest news of the week. Yes. The purple iPhone 12 and iPhone 12. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the biggest news. <laughs> Look at that. There you go. This is interesting because I always, during the fall new iPhone color, which I think they've done for several years, but didn't do last year, if I remember correctly. So I'm always thinking everyone who wants this already has it. Obviously, that's from a, a very tech bubble centric mindset. The number of people that I've seen in my comments on various platforms who are like, oh, finally, I'm glad I waited, blows my mind because we're half a year away from a new phone. Yeah. <laughs> so new color coming out this Friday. New color coming out this Friday, iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 mini. Not much more to say on that. Let's move on to some real news. I'm just going in order of what's coming out. So we have AirTags finally announced after what? Almost two years of rumor and innuendo can we haul through air tags wow i mean air tags i mean we can i just wanted to you know we got to put it out there the thing i oh, like about what rub, apple does rub it rub it in <laughs> oh Listen. apple sends you stuff congratulations here's what's cool when i started using them there's two things that come to mind to me or three. First of all let me just get the first one out of the way why would you spend between 350 and 650 dollars on an hermes leather AirTags holder when the whole point of the holder is to lose it. Like, that's why it exists in case of loss. Like, why would I spend that much money on something to lose? Like, that's just crazy to me. That's number one. Andrew, do you remember the very first Apple Watch edition? Yes, I do. Do you remember that product that you knew was going to be obsolete in a year? Do you remember how high the price went on that top end Apple Watch edition? Wasn't it like $14,000? I believe $14,000. Remember that popped up in my head too. I mean, a $500 Hermes, whatever little clip thing seems (laughs) seems like pedestrian. Fair enough. I just had to call that out. Um, Number two, when Apple 
releases something like this. There are other trackers out there from other companies, both for iOS, for Android, right? The other ones I've tried just feel so utilitarian. When Apple releases a product, even though the functionality is very similar, even just setting it up, Apple makes it fun. Like it makes it fun to learn how this thing works. Andrew, that might be the most Apple Homer thing I've ever heard anybody say. No, but I mean, but I'm serious. It's I mean, just it's, it's fun true. to set up. Did it you is set true, up this, though. Did you set up Samsung's tags with the I Galaxy did. phone? It's identical. No, it's the listen. same panache. You bring it close, it shows up. No, I'm not talking about that part. Like when you first, you, like if you say, okay, now I've set it up. Setting up is easy on both platforms. Let me go hide this somewhere, just throw it into the yard and just see if I could find it. The way that it uses audio and the haptics and the visuals on the screen, it's like you're playing a video game. The act of learning how it works, Apple, you know, or even like when you set up Face ID, like the first time you set up Face ID ever, like the first time you've done it, like, like Samsung is just like, look here. Okay, we got you. And Apple has like, okay, we're going to like fill in the thing and we're going to make, they just make things. They make you want to learn by almost making it like you're not learning. You're just playing a game. You don't realize you're learning. One more thing on AirTags before we move on, John. I think it's interesting how Apple struck the balance between usability of the purchaser and privacy if you try to slip an AirTag into someone's bag, for example, to track them as a stalker. Mm -hmm. AirTags are for finding lost items but not so much. They're not for tracking someone who like stole your item. They're not for, you know, I'm going to track down this person who grabbed my bag. But they could be, they could be. Well, it could, it, it could have been, but the problem is number one, if you drop it, if you have an iPhone and you're moving with someone else's air tag and that person's not with you, you will get an alert right away on your phone that says, Hey, an unknown air tag is tracking you tap here to make a sound, for example, so you can find it quickly. And I believe that that starts when you get home, right? So the other thing that will happen is if you don't have an iPhone, now this takes a couple more days. It takes, I believe, three days. If you don't have an iPhone, there's an unknown AirTag with you. It will just start making a noise whenever it's moved using the accelerometer. So, oh, what's this noise? And then if you have an Android device, the NFC scanning works on both iOS and Android. So you can scan the AirTag with your Android device and it'll pull up a page that will give you whatever information, it'll give you the person's, or not the person, it'll just give you the serial number of the AirTag and show you how to disable it. And if someone has put it in lost mode, so if you somehow took someone's AirTag, they can then put a message that includes a phone number saying, hey, please give me a call if found. So basically, you can't just slip it into someone's bag or pocket and just have them never discover it and just track their whereabouts, you know, from there on until the battery dies. I do want to give Apple a bit of credit. I know I made some jokes earlier, but having user replaceable, easily accessible batteries, that was very, that anybody was expecting, right? Is it wireless charging? Do you have to take them in? Is there a fee? Do you have to throw them away? I mean, the most obvious solution was not one I think that was widely predicted. And they also don't have a service fee, which a lot of people thought might be the case. Like you'd buy them, then you yeah. pay some sort of monthly fee to use them. They are yeah, $29. Yeah, gotta, gotta wait for this. And then four pack is $99, which brings the price down to 25 each. So those come out this Friday as well. All right, John, we have other topics. Right. Which product do you want to move to first? I would like to start with iMac. Okay, that's what I had next. 
So let's talk about the processor. We're just speculating here. So in the iPhone and, you know, whenever we've seen a new iPhone, like you said, every year, new generation of chip, right? Like clockwork. Do you think we will see a lot of people are talking about the M1X? I would think Apple would go with Z. I feel like why would they release Z? Anyway, doesn't matter. It's a name. Do you think the next thing we'll see in computers from Apple is going to be an M1X or Z? And that's going to be the Pro Machines, the first generation of the Pro Machines on Apple Silicon. Or do you think we're going to see an M2? I remember seeing an article just a couple days ago. Obviously, it's rumors and nothing confirmed that the M1X was benchmarked and it was something akin to 100% faster than the current M1. So do you think Apple will stick with M1 generation and just add more graphics cores? Or do you think we'll see kind of an annual update like we see on phones? Here's what I feel like. I feel like Apple is going to do like how mind-blowing the M1 was for the entry-level Macs. I feel like they're going to be just as mind-blowing again with the Pros. When you compare the Pros to the entry, like, like they're going to once again do this big leapfrog. It's not just going to be you know, you've been waiting and now here it is. Like, it's going to be another big deal. Jump up. So I have a bit of a tangent, but we're speaking of laptops and things that are coming. There was a recent hack from one of Apple's suppliers, Quantum Computers. I'm not going to mention the, the name of the people who, who hacked them, but there was a big ransom that was offered. And to sort of show that the perpetrators were serious, they released some schematics of unreleased laptops. I was surprised as somebody who, who used to run a website I was surprised with how viral that went and how quickly that was picked up, how many, how quickly renders were made on that information. And this group who did the hacking got a lot of publicity. I mean, it's akin to publishing names of, of shooters or anything like that. I was, I was generally just curious and I don't want to get into the specs of what leaked or anything like that. Cause I, and I don't want it to, it's not our place, but I was, I didn't know how I would have covered that still in the Techno Buffalo days. I like to think I wouldn't have authorized it, but it was very interesting to see a lot of publications, very respected ones, just talk about it like it was like it was an announced product. All right, let's move on to um, the iPad Pro. iPad Pro 2021. This is an interesting product because Apple spent the majority of the time talking about the larger 12.9 inch iPad Pro and for good reason, I think. But it should be said that when you take and we'll talk about that in a minute, it has a, a new display, XDR display. When you take that display away, though, there is still some interesting upgrades. So even if you're looking at the 11 inch, there's some significant stuff there. So number one, you get the M1 chip, which makes it it's 50 percent faster for CPU, 40 percent faster graphics. Which, 5G. quite frankly, seems so unnecessary. I mean, the iPad is, I mean, like the, like the two year ago iPad is still like the most blazing fast piece of hardware. And now they're like 900 times faster. Like, yeah. what, do you, what, is, like what does it need we'll, to do? We'll, we'll, there, we'll get no to pro, that in a second. Yeah, we'll get to there's that. no pro apps anyway on it. 5G, Wi-Fi 6, a new center stage ultra wide front camera, which I thought was really cool. Also, true depth on the front camera, which is nice. And then Thunderbolt can actually connect Thunderbolt devices to the iPad. So, John, I think 
I saw this quote from Apple, actually. I think it was Jaws who put it out earlier this week, and it made sense. He said, when we released the last iPad Pro, there was no software that could take advantage of it. So people were like, why are you making such a fast iPad? And then he said, but there was no Photoshop at the time. Photoshop came because we made this powerful iPad. So now I feel like WWDC is going to be where things are revealed for this new iPad. Because again, I do feel like this thing is so powerful. Why? Right. The old one was on aging hardware and it was still best in class by far. And now we've just eclipsed it again. And this is the first time Apple has ever talked about RAM in an iPad, by the way. Like they put on the screen up to 16 gigabytes of RAM. Something has, this has to mean something, right? Something has to be coming in iPad OS at WWDC. Your point about build it and they will come is a fair point. I get that. And perhaps I was making light of the, why does it need to be that fast? What I am excited about is that my magic keyboard, that I still get to use that, you know, <laughs> that hardware that I spent so much money on is still going to last beyond a generation. Wait, Mark. that. Are you an 11 inch user? No, the 12.9. Well, we've got bad news for you. <laughs> no, what? I know there's a new color, but I don't need the white. I've got the black one. It's fine. No, it is not. What's, it's not what's, fine. The, bad, what, what's the bad news, Andrew? You need to replace it. You need to replace it with oh. a new one. What? No, no. I mean, structurally, it looks the same. I can't imagine Apple I would, don't know why. would obsolete that so quickly. Or the 12.9 is also, it's a little bit thicker, so maybe it works fine. But when you close it, like there's a little gap at the front, something like that. We'll, we'll see. So the 12.9, like we're talking about right now. So this one has everything we just mentioned. Plus it has an XDR display. It has a mini LED display array, which is when we had it rumored, it was like, okay, mini LEDs coming. But when you actually see what they did and how many LEDs they packed into this, to me, sci-fi thin device, like, again, it blows me away. Like, I'm someone who I don't take tech for granted. I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where things come through and I'm still just like wowed and astounded by the things that we have that didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. But there are thousands of mini LEDs in the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. And as far as like the way Apple's saying it is they took the Pro Display XDR, which only has a, between five and 600 zones, by the way, added thousands of zones and shrunk it down to iPad size. As impressive as that is, I wonder how the average person appreciates it. Or does the average person not buy the iPad Pro 12.9 and they go iPad Air? That was the first thing I thought. Obviously, big deal if you're in creative work like that. If you're not, if you don't do video or image editing, I assume, and again, I haven't seen it myself, it's just a more pleasing display to use, whether you're gaming, whether you're watching movies, throw your AirPods on, get the spatial audio going. It may be the best display you have in your house. That's how good this is. John, are you going to get one? So I love, if they had released a 15-inch iPad, I would have been all over it. I like the biggest, really? I know my I love and I honestly use my iPad for mostly watching YouTube videos before I go to bed at night and checking emails in the morning. I love a big iPad. And like you, I love technology. I'm in this field because I'm just in awe of tech in any of its forms. So sort of seeing mini LED and seeing what's crammed in and the power of the processor and something so small, absolutely. I do not need it at all. It is a very unnecessary purchase that I'm going to have to explain to my CPA. 
<laughs> but it's it's one that I'm excited about for technology's sake. And to get to where I think the iPad is going and building, to have these steps, you can say that was the one where we saw the sea change. I like to have the perspective when we get there to say, I, I tried it. I saw it or I missed the mark. And I think I'm very excited about what this iPad Pro can be because it seems like we're getting closer to fulfilling the the vision of this all-in-one device from Apple that can do everything. And now you've got the essentially the same processor and across all of its all of its hardware. And now you throw in the, the mini LED and the crazy display. I think it's amazing. And even if you don't like Apple, what it's going to force competition to do, everybody should be excited about that. We're doing predictions here. Kind of going off of what you just said, and I think we all agree, the amount of power in this new iPad Pro, when you look at it today, just seems like overkill, right? Yeah. How do you even tap into that? What do you think we're going to see in iPad OS 15? What are you expecting? Like, how is Apple going to harness this power that we're not seeing yet? So first, I want to say the 16 gig options are only, I believe, in the if you order the one terabyte or two terabyte iPads, which I think is an important thing to make. I'm going to harken back to an older Apple keynote, and I want to say that iPad OS has been living a double life. Double life coming up here. Wait a minute. What does that mean? So do you remember the first time we heard that? I'm getting goosebumps. Yes. Intel. First time compatible was a Mac OS at the time. OS 10 compatible with Intel. I think there's a reason that Apple chose to the M1 name for the iPad. I think because of people associate that with right now. When you hear M1 prior to last week, what did you think? Mac. I think there's a reason that it's in there. I'm not saying they're bringing Mac OS to the iPad. I don't think that's the case. I think there's logistical issues, touch issues, and Apple has said over and over again, they're not going to do it. I think, personally, that pro apps are ready. I think they rebuilt the apps from the ground up. I don't think it's based on the same code. I think the experience will be there. I think pro apps are coming to iPad OS, fulfilling the vision of this being a true mobile computer. And I know logistically there's difficulties that go along with that as porting the languages over and making sure they're cross-compatible. I think it's a new app that was designed to mimic the functionality of the old apps in general. And uh, I think we're going to see the fulfillment of the iPad promise at WWDC. Now, mic drop. <laughs> I'm going to say this is not going to be as bold because... Of course it's not. I, no, it's because I, I completely agree with you. I would have said what you said. I think Apple has been... They showed last year with M1 Mac OS that they were basically taking apps from, or even before that, a year before that, taking apps from iOS and porting them to Mac, right? So they've already been doing this. And I think it makes sense that the pro apps, if they're going to be running on, you know, iMac Pros, MacBook Pros, et cetera, then obviously there's going to be M1 versions of these apps anyway. And it only makes sense that looking like just reading the tea leaves these apps sharing a code base now will allow them to run or can allow them to run on any of these platforms whether it be an ipad whether it be a mac i don't see why they wouldn't do it it just seems to make sense i think with software they want to give the complete vision at WWDC. Like it makes more sense there, especially if these things require iOS 15 to run, right? It would be kind of pre-announcing, preceding the announcement. It was almost yeah. like when they announced the A, was it the A14 in an iPad, but then they, they didn't ship the iPad until the iPhone shipped. It would kind of be like that. So I think something like this 
that would require yeah. hard or software that they haven't announced yet, they wouldn't announce that anyway. My preference, I just want to know everything as soon as possible. <laughs> That's just me. Just give me everything ASAP. Let's go to the last, this will be our last topic real quick. The most confusing product for me at the spring-loaded event. And dare I say it was the one I think I was looking forward to most, Apple TV 4K. I was looking forward to it most because I was thinking to myself, I don't know the answer to this. What is Apple going to do with the next gen Apple TV? They're going to do something. I can't even picture what it's going to be. And then they announced it. And I was like, oh, high frame rate HDR. I mean, that's cool. Is that about it? Like, what's happening? So the Apple TV 4K, which was three years old, got a spec update and maintained its price. The Apple TV HD, even older, no updates also retains its price, which to me, I don't know who should buy that. There are apps now that don't even run on that anymore that used to, including, I believe, YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Like the YouTube app does not work on Apple TV HD anymore. So I was just left confused with the whole Apple TV segments. Obviously, it'll be more, it'll be snappier. I did mention a couple of weeks ago that I felt the Apple TV 4K, the previous gen, still a great box, but there's some like frames dropping when you're moving through the menus and everything. So an A12 is going to probably clean that up. I assumed that being two years newer, even with less cores, just the raw power would eclipse the A10X in every way, including graphics. So, John. Andrew. What do you I think like about you missed, this? I feel like you missed a mark here. Why? Listen, I'm just going to say it. The big update's the remote. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you're uh, right. The big update's the remote. I think that's you're all right. anybody was talking about with it, which you can buy separately and now does come with the Apple TV HD. That's a big story of Apple fixing past problems. It's yes. a usable new remote with the Harmony brand going away. There's opportunity for Apple what I don't understand about the box, and listen, Apple TV, if you want a great streaming box that works well, which now appears to at least never seen it, have a decent remote, the Apple TV is a very good way to go. But now that Apple has released Apple TV apps for pretty much every platform, AirPlay 2 is support. You have to look to find something that doesn't support AirPlay 2. You can get a Roku Ultra with a good remote and half the price, same storage plus a micro SD card slot that can still keep you as inside the Apple ecosystem as you were before. You don't have to leave the ecosystem now to, to get a Roku or, or a smart TV, any of the LG or Samsung TVs. It's a much harder sale at $199 for the 64 and then the oddly $20 less to half the storage. Like why? There's a lot of questions. I will, well, there's I will. two things. There's two things that you cannot do on smart apps that you need an Apple TV for. One is going to be Apple Fitness Plus and the other will be Apple Arcade. If, I mean... Who's playing? I don't know who's playing arcade games on their TV. But if you want to do that, you do need the Apple TV. And if you want Fitness Plus, like with the watch stats showing on your TV, you need to have an Apple TV box. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Apple Fitness get AirPlay support today with 14.5? So there's a, a smaller workaround. So yes. there are certainly use cases to get an Apple TV. And I'm not advocating against it. I really like the Apple TV UI. It just it's much harder to understand spending $200 when I mean, I. I a Roku Ultra yeah. that with those exceptions, you can get on sale for $50 or 60 bucks 
that now has an Apple TV button actually on the remote. It's hard to understand what Apple's end game is with this. It's clearly not a Trojan horse to get people into Apple Arcade because I don't think people are spending that amount of money for, I mean, maybe they are for Apple Arcade. I think we're going to, the sales numbers think will be clearly dictated by how many people want a new remote. And as long as I'm buying a new remote, I might as well buy a new piece of hardware to go with it. And on that note, I did want to ask a question. Since I don't, I've had an upgraded Apple TV box in a very long time. Is there like a backup and restore for, for Apple TV? Would you get a new one? Yes. In there a is? way. So what it does is it stores your home. You can turn on in settings where it'll store your home screen. So any apps you have on your home screen, it will replicate your home screen across all your Apple TV boxes. So as long as you have that turned on, when you set up a new one, it'll just, you sign into iCloud, it'll just pull your same home screen and then install all the apps that you had previously. And just goes to show, I have one Apple TV in my house and have not done a second one. And this is more of a personal question, but that's just in settings. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just, <laughs> okay. It's called, I, mean, I think it's called like one home screen know. or something like that. One home screen. I'm sure I'm not alone with that. Like, oh, that's fun to know. I legitimately did not know that. All right. And that is the show. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.